0: Who I trust more than anyone at Birch Gold Group, text just news to 989898 98 98 right now. Hello, America, and welcome to the Thursday edition of John Solomon Reports, the podcast from Just the News. Yes, today we're going to be taking you to Congress, not for one. But for two interviews, we're going to have Congresswoman Kat Kamick from the great state of Florida on here to talk about the border and the border consequences. And Devin Nunez, the former House Intelligence Committee chairman, the man who really unraveled the Russia collusion case. Uh, If you don't believe me, go back and read his 2018 report, the one that the media said was wrong. Congressman Nunez had it right. We're here to ha- have him on today. Happy to have him on today because we had this Christopher Steele interview that surfaced Monday with ABC News. And I'm just curious what does Congressman Nunez, the man who unraveled the Russia scandal, What does he think about what uh, Christopher Steele says? You know what I think, because I put all the facts out there saying, Steele said this, but here is the overwhelming body of evidence that says something different. You have that story. Now, tomorrow morning, I'm going to give you a a tip. While you're uh, listening to tomorrow's podcast, you'll also be able to read a brand new story I'm going to have out tomorrow about all of the unusual, unorthodox tactics that the purveyors of the russia collusion case used to try to spread this now discredited bogus whatever you want to call it story it's been clearly multiple investigations found no collusion and that much of the allegations were based on disinformation or political bias or other things right well i'm going to show you the tactics and i'll just give you some hints german encryption messages fake names pseudonyms fake email accounts In one bizarre episode where Christopher Steele's meeting at the Perkins Coie law firm and Hillary Clinton's general counsel, according to their testimony, is participating, but he won't show his face to Steele, he insists on sitting in an adjacent room. Strange stuff, right? Well, it's all true. How? How? Do we know it? Because I got all the court testimony. You're going to get to listen and see that tomorrow. We're going to ask Devin Nunez a little bit about Christopher Steele in a second. So big day today. Two members of Congress. First up, Devin Nunez from the great state of California, the former House Intelligence Committee chairman. He'll be up right after this commercial break. And then we'll do a quick interview with Kat Kamek, Florida congresswoman. I think she'll be joining us from the floor of the House where things are very busy right now. You'll get the latest frontline report IRS penalty canceling offer. To do so, call 1-800-245-6000. That's 1-800-245-6000. Or visit tnusa.com slash just news. That's tnusa.com slash just news. Hey folks, it's John Solomon here. Today, I want to shine a light on AMAC, an organization who's dedicated to America's seniors, but is vital for conservatives of all ages. AMAC stands out All right, folks, welcome back from the commercial break. And as promised, a very good friend of the show, the man who helped unravel the Russia collusion story. Go back and read the 2018 report, the one that the media said was wrong. He had it 100 percent right and the media was all wrong. You know who he is, the former House Intelligence Committee chairman, the current ranking member of the committee and the great congressman from California. Devin Nunes is joining us. Congressman, welcome to the show
1: john it's great to be back on with you as always
0: it is every time a new revelation comes out in russia i keep thinking i can't even use the word vindicate now because you're long past the stage of vindication but you had the whole scam right three years before other people figured it out when you look at these latest things you saw uh, Steele's interview uh, over the weekend or i guess sunday night into monday what did you make of christopher Steele's little uh show
1: well, I guess overall, it's a little bit of embarrassment for ABC News and Disney Corporation. I've been kind of half joking, but really half not, because you wonder if ABC News is going to move their headquarters to Fantasyland at Disney World. <laughs> it felt that way. Yeah. Um a joke. You know, starting with they, I, I had to watch the thing because you know I, I've been doing a lot of interviews. A lot of people are asking me about it. Right. Uh, it's only an hour show. Document, supposed documentary, yeah. but it's, a, it's just entirely fiction. And it's really about what was left out and yep. then the lack of, of clarity on the folks who are doing, who are kind of posing as actors in this, you know, they're supposedly journalists. right? Uh, but one of the strange cats was a guy who was peddling Russian disinformation and the whole hoax uh, early on. You know, some one of the earliest people was a producer, and he's sitting there going, "Oh, we just don't know if this is true or not." Like, dude, you were involved in this. We know you were the producer who did these original hit pieces on the phony Russia stuff back mm. in back in uh, summer of 2016. And then this whole idea—it's—it's it's basically uh, misinformation or disinformation by omission. Yeah. Right. This whole idea that when, when you know that Steele was working for another guy who's been in the news recently, uh, Oleg Deripaska, right. who's an oligarch, a Russian oligarch, uh, has long been, had several ties to not only Steele, but to Bruce Orr, yeah. all over notes of, 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 that we found in our investigation. This is a guy who my guess is they were trying to get him uh, a visa and my guess is they were, and this is just a guess, right? Uh, in order to get Deripaska to just say some incriminating things about Trump. And we actually know that because of the the uh, interview that uh, when, when Steele and Orr and yeah. a, a couple uh, FBI guys go in and talk to Deripaska in 2016, it seems pretty obvious what they were trying to do. So, you know, the fact that ABC News le- leaves all that out and they let, they let Steele get away with answering questions that even his lawyers, Steele's own lawyers, in, in several of the cases that have been, now been filed around the globe, as it relates to, uh, I think it's their defamation cases against Alpha Bank. Uh, clearly, his lawyers have have stated things, and I'm just paraphrasing because I know you got to be precise sometimes. Right, so, right. Uh, so forgive me for not, you know, being precise because I don't have the, the the clip or the quote in front of me. But it was essentially that oh, none of this was, you know, this was just uh, unverified information. This was raw intelligence is what they used. So that's kind of point one. And then point two is everything in that dossier has been disproven, including this whole idea. There's that one section uh, in the documentary. I don't want people to go see it at all. So don't, don't, please don't go see it. But You can trust me. (laughs) Yeah,
0: don't support it anymore, right?
1: Yeah, Yeah, you could, you could trust me on this. They have this, this really dramatic Uh, Exchange between George Stephanopoulos, the old Clinton guy, and Steele about his sources and are they still alive? And of course, we found out later that his source was just a swamp creature guy that used to live in Russia. I think he was was, worked at Brookings and was friends with Fiona Hill. Yeah, and and connected to all of these people. But he's a he was a former Brookings guy. He lives right here in Washington D.C. And then, of course, you know, we never were able to interview this guy. I'm not sure if Durham. Uh, Has or not, but through the Alpha Bank's uh, uh, lawsuits, you see that all of his supposed this sources, supposed sub sources, have all just said, "Look, he's full of crap. You know, this never happened." And of course, all the stories are so outlandish. None of this ever even read like a raw intelligence report. It just read as a phony phony story it was a it was
0: uh, a it was a fiction it was a spy fiction made to make uh, designed to make uh, it look like it was real you know and and it was a movie uh, to,
1: exactly so you know yeah. next to the abc news Fantasyland News Headquarters. They're going to be at Disney World. They're going to have <laughs> Mr. Steele's Wild Ride.
0: There you go. <laughs> We're replacing Mr. Toad with Mr. Steele. That's funny. Uh, I. It's funny. The morning after, I got a call from a a great law enforcement source who, when I was you know doing the a big part of my um, reporting on this uh, alongside what you were doing and others, uh, they called up and said, Hey, I, I, I got a scoop for you. And I said, what's that? I said, I think the same guys that wrote the FISA warrants wrote this documentary because they left everything out that would make it make the reader understand it wasn't true. And there's so true to this. It seems like Russia collusion. You, I think you said it best. It was always about the emissions, right? Hey, Carter page looks suspicious. If you don't know, he's working for the CIA. And it, Every part of the time, the only way they could sustain their story was by omitting critical information. Are you surprised that the me- media still fall for it five years later?
1: Well, they're not falling for this. There's, there's something more nefarious going on. ABC News, to put something out like that, is just bizarre. So I have no idea, um, you, know, you know, what's behind this, the timing, yep. the release of this. Um, you know that anybody would be defending Steele or those dossiers this time at this point is an absolute joke. And of course, the, the thing staring us right in, right in front of us is you know that our investigation, uh, we were never able to get you know, all the subpoenas we needed, right. all the information because we had to fight through being blocked by uh, you know Steele never, for example, would testify before us. We were blocked by the Department of Justice and the FBI for for many, many years in terms of being able to get, uh, the reports that we needed to, to run this investigation, but but it's it's slowly the pieces are slowly starting to come together. Which yeah. we had circumstantial evidence now with what you see through these court cases, uh, and of course Durham's uh, indictment of the DNC Clinton lawyer Sussman. You're starting to see what we knew from the beginning was this started this whole dossier operation started in 2015. Yep. And it wasn't started by Steele. Nope. It was started by Fusion GPS and the Clinton campaign. Yeah. And it first focused on, you know, trying to tie uh, Trump to like Russian mob money. Right. Um, and then it, it kept, as it kept going. Yeah, in fact, I think ABC
0: News is one of the people that peddled that part of the story early on. I,
1: I believe you're right. And then as, it, as, you, as you go through the winter of 2015 into 2016, they then change it up to come up to concoct this whole theory that, oh, my God, he's actually, it's not my money, he's working with Putin. yeah And, of course, we know that the DOJ, Loretta Lynch was briefed on this, you had Comey, all of them were involved in that March-April time frame. And it's clearly, this is a story and a narrative that's being generated by the Clinton campaign that, that results in an, in an investigation being open. And as we've said from the very beginning, and they never would would tell us what the hell they were doing, uh, because you know they supposedly didn't open an official investigation until August, right, or late July, August. Well, we know uh, that they were running all sorts of playing all sorts of dirty tricks with with informants and sources and peddling fake information. And I think what it comes down to is they believe that the Russians had Hillary's emails, yep. the, the server that everybody was looking for. And I and I always. I always joke because, you know, they always the love to the fake news loves to play that clip and the Democrats, anybody who is a Russia hoaxer, they love to play that clip of Trump saying, Where's the emails? You know, release the the Russians should release the emails. Well, everybody forgets we had an investigation going on this in the Congress, multiple investigations. Actually Jason Chaffetz, who's now a contributor over at Fox News, he was leading that investigation and we were being stonewalled as to you know, what happened to the emails? Where's the server? We still don't know where the server is. So I think they knew something was going to happen. And that's why they pivoted to say, oh, this is Russian disinformation, you know, not, and they just, they resurrect the same play calls, right? So they did that in 2016 to cover for that. Right. What did they do? Fast forward to 2020 in October, probably even worse than what they did in, in 16 in many ways, because you had not only the media involved, but the social media companies, but they censor the existence of the Hunter Biden laptops from hell uh, that clearly influenced the election in favor of Biden. I mean, this is serious dirt that was was there on the Bidens, uh, their ties to Ukraine and China and everything else. And what did they say at the time? You had the fake news not reporting it. You had social media companies blocking the few news investigative outlets like you that were actually putting this information out there. And then you had these you know, retired intelligence and military professionals who went out and claimed this is a hallmark definition of of Russian disinformation to influence our election. I mean, the only ones who were influencing were these sickos. And every one of those guys should have to they should they should not be on any boards. These former military and intelligence professionals. There was
0: no intelligence to substantiate that letter when they wrote it. It's a false letter. Pure
1: pure politics, pure disinformation. Uh, completely irresponsible, and I think just shows you where America's at. We're just degrading into this third-world state where people use the intelligence services and the justice system to turn against their political enemies. It's really a dangerous, slippery slope that we're on.
0: Well, you are are so right. I'm hearing that from more and more people every day. in, I'm going to have a story tomorrow, and it's very interesting to remind people of this. So uh, Christopher Steele, when he's debriefed by the FBI in 2017, which is one of the recently declassified documents that, that President Trump made available, it uh, in that interview, he reveals something really important, which is before he's hired by the Clinton campaign, he learns that there's another version of the dossier that's been written by Um, Cody Scherer and and possibly Sidney Blumenthal, I think he mentions both names and that's floating around in April, like someone already had come up with the story and then he kind of gets it. Then he, 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 he reveals that after he gets hired and his job is to go out and do independent investigation. One of the source materials he gets that he puts into his dossier, the one about Alpha Bank actually comes from Sussman. Sussman gives him the material. Isn't it odd for the client to give the person they're asking to investigate the material that then ends up in the report? This was kind of like an echo chamber, right? They were just peddling. The, it was a circular intelligence operation, wasn't it?
1: Yeah. Well, well, it's what we were talking about. This is just a, like you said, I think, a, a spy novel. Yeah. Uh, that's that's all it was, and that's why it's important uh, to to go back and and look. This started. This narrative started in 15, rolled into 16, and then you know. So Steele sitting there as if he had all these sources and it is an absolute joke. ABC knows it's a joke, yep. and Steele himself, Caster. you know, put all that together, and he was just he was just an an avatar. I think Lee Smith, uh, you know, who wrote the definitive right. piece on this and the, the plot against the president book, um, that you know he, he basically goes through this that Steele was nothing more than just a, a hired guy to put his, his name. name on it and then go present it to all the fake news organizations that are out
0: there. And then Sussman does it, and then a guy named Dan Jones does it, and then it just keeps going on and on. The people keep walking in and flooding the FBI with the same version of this story. Uh, Are you convinced now more than ever that uh, that John Durham isn't just writing a report, that there's going to be more indictments based on the activity? And could it be that some of that investigative activity? Fiona Hill just had an interview out of the blue about Russia. Obviously, Steele comes out. There's all the, the Russia gang is back out there. Could these events be tied together to the fact that Durham is digging further?
1: Well, my big concern always about Durham Uh, I know a lot of people just doubted, uh, you know, I think I was the only person out there that believed that and still believes that Durham is doing a real investigation. Yeah, I do too. Yep. And you know, this stuff takes time to put all this together, clearly that Sussman indictment is a, is a major indictment. It's, it's really a scary indictment because it goes back to what we were talking about just a little bit earlier. And that is that it's, you know, people walking in with narratives from political campaigns to investigate their enemy is just downright scary, it is. and it's and it's it's the quintessential lying to the FBI charge. This is not some lesser charge. This nope. is just straight up going in with fake stories and information to set up that your is, enemies. Imagine that's the evidence
0: he laid out, and it's pretty pretty convincing.
1: Yeah, imagine if this just just keeps happening across the country. That you know you don't like your neighbor, so you go into your local law enforcement office, FBI or, or local sheriff, and you put a bunch of fake information to open up an investigation on your on your neighbor or your somebody that your business competitor or, or or you know you can just imagine but this is at the highest level where it gets to the core of our democratic republic opening an investigation on a rival political party and in this case it was the Republican party that these guys targeted so steel still is an absolute joke there's still more to be more to be found here I believe uh, and 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 just to kind of Finish that uh, thought, John. On on my concerns for Durham, is I, I'm concerned about his ability to be able to continue this investigation because we know DOJ is completely yeah. politicized. You see all these cats out there running their mouth and on Twitter, um, you know, still the, the audacity for them to tie recently, this in the last few days. You know, once again they used Deripaska, yeah, to dirty up Trump. Yep. Yeah. Right? Trump didn't know Deripaska from, from a hole in the wall, right? He right. doesn't know him from anybody. Nope, he doesn't. But I in interviewed Deripaska, him. He
0: confirmed he never met Trump in his life.
1: And Deripaska is clearly tied to the Democrats, yeah. multiple Democrats and at the highest level of the Department of, of Justice. So, And these guys still run out there on Twitter and say, this is what we were looking at.
0: By his like, own admission, by his own admission, in an interview he did with me on video that everyone can see, the Democratic administration of Barack Obama asked him to fund an operation to go look for a missing FBI agent. That's how close he was to the Obama administration. And the FBI. Oh, by the way, Robert Mueller was in charge of that investigation at the time as FBI director. It's so true that that, uh, that people keep missing that connectivity to a prior Democratic regime.
1: Yeah, it's a. I mean, they just. It's really just, you know, Baghdad Bob. uh, type of uh, of assessments and reporting. I mean, for these guys to sit there and and even mention Trump in the same, same sentence as Deripaska is a joke. It's fake. And then to not talk about how Steele was tied to Deripaska and all these other characters that were all involved in the Russia hoax is just, it's, it's, it's appalling. Yeah.
0: I'm going to ask you one last question because I know you got to run. Uh, there is a report last night, the, not a report, the letter came out from the deputy director of NIH saying, hey, there was a project at Wuhan that we funded that actually made a virus more dangerous. Uh, we believe we did it accidentally, but the vendor didn't follow its rules, and uh, we just wanted to let Congress know. You're not surprised by that, but is it ex- extraordinary that the NIH could do such a flip this late into the storyline?
1: Well, and and also the fact that this should be investigated by the Department of Justice yeah. for Fauci lying to Congress, and I think there's been at least one or two criminal referrals that have already been made on Fauci, but this is you know we've we've known this we've been running this investigation looking at this from the very beginning we knew we were involved in this gain of function, and then they remember how they've they tried to weasel word it and say well it wasn't exactly gain of function yeah, they had exactly. some other word for it. Um, just it's just a joke, and you know, look, I'm not expecting the Department of Justice to prosecute Fauci because we know they're uh, they're just not interested in anything right. like that. But but this just goes to show you that the more that this goes on, you have we we've been talking about the breakdown of the justice system, the breakdown of our military, the breakdown of our intelligence apparatus. Well, now you have a breakdown in this country of people trusting our health departments. Throughout the throughout the country, uh, at every level, and it starts it starts in Washington D.C. and it goes all the way down to the local level where doctors can't even they just mention ivermectin. They're they're persecuted by their local fake news and national news. So doctors are afraid to, in many cases, even to to talk about these other treatments. Which you know we know uh, the key, and I tell this, and I'll say it right here for everybody that's listening. The, the key with COVID is early treatment. So, you know, if you get early symptoms, you need to go in immediately and begin to get treated. And there's basic things to treat COVID. I had COVID, right? So the steroids uh, really help. You know, I would strongly recommend that people get on those immediately. Uh, obviously, antibiotics, you don't want this to infect your lungs. But instead, these doctors are so afraid they just say, "Oh, go, go, go isolate, go go take a test, go isolate you don't talk to anybody right And then you wait around and you know you're three days in, you're, you're not treating yourself. then all of a sudden seven days later you've got pneumonia and then you're in the hospital. it's it's criminal. Uh, they're killing people by essentially putting pressure on doctors to not get out there and, and be able to prescribe therapeutics that they believe that works. And I'm not even talking about. The the popular ones that are out there have been the fake news of hydroxychloroquine, and ivermectin. I'm talking about just basic treatments. Yep. That when I've traveled around the globe, you know, when we're when we're traveling, other to the, countries are using them, right? The, well, no, is actually I was going to say something even different. Uh, you know, we take medical packs when when we travel because we you, we usually travel very light. We're going to places that are right. not most of the time not friendly countries can be dangerous, have all kinds of health issues, and you know we take you know, basic types of different types of steroids and antibiotics that, that we go with us because to, to, we have to self-medicate because in many cases, you know, we're not going to get to a doctor. Uh, of course. Right? So they say, hey, get on this stuff immediately if you have this, this, or that, Of just kind of basic treatments. Uh, you know, we can call back to the Navy doctors back in the U.S., um, tell them what was going on. We have the medical pack. We take those basic treatments before we, you know, before we can get to a doctor. And the idea that we're not doing these basic treatments for our, for our citizenry is, is, is scary. And I know so many people, friends of mine, even people who have died, were never treated even with just basic, basic medication, and mm. it's just wrong.
0: Boy, there's so much to learn about this. Starting,
1: starting with Fauci, you know? Yeah. Fauci, Fauci ought to be out there every day saying, look, we know these therapeutics that work. Right. Get in quickly, doctors. Do, do your Save work. Save yourself, Yeah. Yep.
0: Uh, is it time for Fauci to step aside?
1: Oh, it's a yeah. long time ago.
0: Yeah, I figured as much. Yeah. All right, uh, Congressman, we always learn so much every time we talk to you. I could talk for hours with you. I have so much fun every time we, we we dig in. The art of omission, I think that will be one of the great things my generation of the news industry is going to be held accountable for. They've omitted the truth far more than they've told it, and you did a great job reminding us of that today. Great to have you Sure, Don,
1: you and I enjoy, obviously enjoy not only coming on your podcast, but... Uh, you're victor davis hansen now yes got a oh we're so podcast. excited oh
0: it's amazing yeah. isn't it yeah. yeah and hey you've got a pretty good podcast i i have a tendency to listen to that when i can get a free moment uh congratulations on what you're doing i think of all the members of congress you have one of the most cogent podcasts because it connects with real people it's a really interesting folks if you haven't heard it how do people get your podcast uh, uh,
1: it's real easy just go to Devin Nunes. Dot com, That's easy. And you can click on the podcast button and listen to yeah. it uh, wherever you'd like. But yeah, yeah. we, you know, and, and I'm, not a, I'm not a professional like uh, you, John, or VDH, but the reason that I, it's related to what we've been talking about. The reason I started that podcast, and I was the first member of Congress really to start a podcast like this, yep. was because I was being attacked and slandered and defamed by the fake news. I had no outlet yeah. to reach to my constituents and my supporters around the country uh, to get the story out around the world, I was forced, basically, to do a podcast so that people could actually hear directly from me. Yeah. So, and of course, then I and I have a Rumble channel now also. After I found out that YouTube was censoring my videos, so it's it's both. I put sometimes it's the same content content on both Rumble and the podcast. Right. Sometimes we have special videos that just go to Rumble, but other times we have just audio uh, podcasts. Uh, only so there's there's different types of content on both my Rumble channel uh, and on on my podcast and you know and we've been going around the country also now on a freedom tour uh, where we've been talking about uh, going to different states where we interview local members of Congress people that are involved in these very critical states right. recruiting candidates uh, actually showing the plot against the president film that Amanda Milius did that you that I know uh, you're you're actually in yeah. the number one documentary last year on Amazon that nobody's ever heard of even though it was viewed uh by over a million Americans just uh it's absolutely crazy the things we've had to do to try to reach people and so this is well, this it, is how I try to do it that's why I have to do a a podcast because I have no other way to It makes you really
0: tangible to your constituents. I think that's it. I've been covering Congress for 30, 35 years that you make yourself very tangible. Your, your constituents can engage and hear directly from you in ways there's no filter. And uh, it, it's it's a really it's a very uh, pro-democratic, pro-republic uh, thing to do because they actually hear from you without that filter. And I've yeah, been
1: pro-democratic by in, in terms of uh, yeah, democracy.
0: <laughs> Yes. Democracy, Yes, yeah. not, pro-democrat. The, yeah, not pro-Democrat, yeah, not pro-Democrat, yeah, but it's good for democracy. If I, I wish more lawmakers would have this much uh, connectivity to their constituents, because I've listened to it many times, and sometimes it's very California-specific, but it has real amazing opportunity for a constituent to know exactly where the man they elected him stands, and I think that is so good for, for our country.
1: And I didn't mean to hijack your podcast to talk about my podcast, but even when we Discuss California issues. We're doing it because it's so critical for the rest of the nation it to is. understand what happens when you have one-party socialist control. How dangerous it is! I, I tell people all the time, uh, you know, because everybody's heard of the Squad now and yep. AOC and all the craziness because oh, yeah. of social media presence. But but we have a state legislature in California that have had these types of trained socialists, communists. For many, many years now. And that's why we're getting so many wacky policies coming out of California. And so people need to understand what's happening in California so they can stop it from happening in their own state.
0: It's amazing. You can't have lawnmowers. You may not be able to have natural gas in your home. And pretty soon you're going to have no more nuclear power and you're going to have an even bigger energy crisis in the state already there. And we know all that because of the great, great work you're doing and calling attention to it, sir. It's really, really valuable to all of us.
1: Well, John, I, I appreciate it as, as always. And thanks for, uh, like in my podcast but I <laughs> it I was worth the tears and and obviously Victor Davis Hansen is just, yeah, uh, just so... a yeah, we're so great guy and, and he's and just for for everyone to know he's my neighbor he's a he's a farmer that farms just uh, up the road from in that amazing my family farms it's yeah, really it's uh, uh, oh. a great great guy and i'm so glad that he's uh, we're blessed
0: to have him he's such a man of intellect and, and intellectual honesty too and i think that people love that because they're getting a really honest view of history and an honest view of, of where our nation stands and i'm so grateful that he's joined here yeah. all right congressman well, we're going to let you get back to work i know you got a busy day ahead of you but thank you so much roger, for all the time today roger that john thanks a lot for having me all right we'll talk to you soon all right folks We're going to take a quick commercial break. When we come back, uh, we are, and by the way, we're so grateful for Devin Nunes' time. Congressman Nunes gave us a lot of great time there, a lot of great insights. When we come back, Congresswoman Kat Kamick from Florida is joining us. We're going to be talking about the border and all things Florida in just a few minutes. Folks, Field of Greens is the healthiest thing I do every day, and I want you on this journey with me. Why? It's literally one scoop a day. It tastes great. friends who i trust more than anyone at birch gold group text just news to 98 98 98 right now all right folks welcome back from the commercial break and joining us literally right outside the floor of the house of representatives is congresswoman kat kamik from the great state of Florida. you're gonna get a live report almost from what it's like to be in congress congresswoman welcome to the show
2: oh thank you as always john always pleasure to, to be with you
0: well, we, we love every time we uh, get together and have a conversation because we learn so much from you. And a lot of the things that you, in our last interview we talked about have come to complete fruition. This uh, this war on parents that the Biden administration is now conducting, the, uh, the border being more open. Uh, we just got numbers in the last couple of days at uh, the largest number of illegal crossings in American history. You called it, you were on the show back in the spring and the summer warning we were gonna get there. How bad is the situation at the border, and what can Republicans, conservatives, everyday Americans do to try to put some reversal into this policy?
2: Well, it is absolutely worse than than it was the last time we spoke. And, I mean, we're on track for for a historic year as far as all the bad lists go. So the number of of individuals and illegals who have been apprehended, and, and apprehended doesn't mean that they were caught and then sent back to their respective homelands. It means that they were caught, uh, processed, and released into the United States. So you're looking well over 1.2 million individuals um, to the tune of almost 90 million of, of taxpayer dollars that has gone to pay for airline tickets and bus tickets for these individuals to go all over the country. And they have a little piece of paper that says in five years you need to show up for your court date. Well, I think we all know that not many people, virtually zero, will actually show up for that court date. So you have well over 1.2 million uh, individuals, illegals, that have been apprehended. You have over 308,000 uh, gotaways, and those are individuals that have been caught on camera or yeah. who have been seen by a Border Patrol agent mm. that are somewhere in our country. And those are the people that they know if they're apprehended they're going to get turned around uh, because they're, they're known. Offenders—they're violent offenders. They're known gang members. They are um, sex offenders, and and um, so they're—they know that they have to sneak away and get into the country that way. And of course, let's not forget the historic amount of narcotics that have poured across our border—be it fentanyl, methamphetamine, uh, cocaine—all of it—it um, it is pouring at at a rapid rate into our communities, and we see it. You know, last year there were 93,000 drug overdoses. We're well on track. To exceed that number and when i took my sheriff to the border they brought photographic evidence of what they had been apprehending in gainesville florida and ocala florida and jacksonville florida and the border patrol agents recognized the stamps on the drugs right away they said oh that's from a border cartel and this is from a, a central american cartel and i mean it, it, it all ties back to the fact that we have an open border policy and this administration refuses to secure the border because for them, it ties right into their, their agenda of dependency and control. And, you know, the good thing is, is that um, everyday Americans are starting to wake up, whether they're Democrats, Republicans, independents, people are fed up, they have had enough. And so there's a lot of pressure on Congress to do something. And when you're in the minority as Republicans are, you don't have the votes to to win over on the legislative side. So, the fact that we're now starting to get wins just next week, one of my bills is being marked up in the committee and will be voted on in the House, and it's a border security bill. And it puts, it takes the, the Border Patrol agents who have been pulled off of the front lines to babysit all of these kids and, and individuals and process paperwork all day, and it puts them back out on the front line where they want to be. And, uh, you know, so things like that are happening. It's just not at the pace of which we would all like it to see uh, be done. And so that's, that's a little frustrating. It's very frustrating. If I'm being a hundred percent candid, but the fact remains that every town in America is a border town and every state is a border state. And this has a direct tie to the increase in crime and drugs in our communities. And if you are an elected official who took an oath to uphold and defend the constitution, you should be screaming at the rooftop that this is something that needs to happen. We have to secure the border because you can't protect your home, your hometowns if you can't defend the homeland. And so it, there, there's definitely an awakening happening right now across America as it relates to the Southwest border crisis.
0: Yeah, it's so amazing. And you have on Twitter, uh, the two things that I, I see you say often on Twitter and public, and it's really two truism. One is the administration can't call this a crisis. It just can't. Find everyone in the world, everyone in the world agrees it's a yeah. crisis, except for the spokespeople for this president who have challenge and other euphemisms. But it is a crisis. And the second part is it isn't just the border towns that are affected. It, all these people are now moving inland and creating strain on communities uh, that want to just have lawful residents living there. Two really important things. Do you think that message is cutting through that people now realize the consequences in Westchester County, right? That's where they're flying them in, into New York right now.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, people, people recognize this. I mean, they, they see when you have individuals that are being flown in the dead of the night into communities and dropped off there. It, it, I can tell you just in Florida alone, they're aging kids out of the foster care system to make room and accommodations for unaccompanied illegal yes. children to be placed in foster care systems. So we're forsaking American kids for illegals and then you see what ha- is happening with the strain on our system. It's healthcare, it's education. We are already experiencing tremendous delays and strains a- across all of our communities and this is only amplifying that. And if they were if they were not trying to hide anything, if they were um, completely confident that the American people were accepting and 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 willing to take on over 1.2 million illegals, they would not be flying people around the country in the That's dead right. of night, trying to sneak them into communities. Yeah. It's the same reason why Nancy Pelosi is constantly taking these votes at two in the morning with no regard, and I'll have, I have to apologize. I have a couple of my colleagues here, John, that are harassing me. I'm in the back of the cloakroom for all your listeners, and they're just—they're they're harassing me. Notably, Byron Donald, who is the <laughs> most, who is the second most conservative member of, of Congress in the state of Florida. I love it. In fact, in fact, you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna put you on speaker. I've got uh, my good friend Beth Van Dyne from Texas, and Byron Donald, uh, who is, uh, as I said, the uh, the, the second most conservative member of Congress in You guys are on the phone on um, to interview with John Solomon, just the news. Excellent. Hey, John, no, and first
1: of all, everything that she just told you is just simply not true. <laughs> so that
2: the is border, the, 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 the border is in a crisis? No, that you're the most conservative member from Florida. Everybody knows that's me.
0: <laughs> We're going to have to put this to a vote on the floor of the House. <laughs> what an honor no, to have all like, of you on. A what a, an extra treat. How about that? <laughs> Very cool. Very cool. Well, thank you for all joining in. I want to ask one question. You see the government essentially involved in human trafficking, right? They're taking people who have illegally entered the country and moving them into other communities. Is there room for a lawsuit? Is there room for some legal action to challenge us as something that's an intentionally illegal act at some point? Do you think someone gets to that point and says there's basically an Air Biden running uh, humans trafficking into the United
2: States? Yeah, you know, I mean, I call I call Biden the trafficker in chief. He's not commander in chief. He's the tra- trafficker in chief. And you know, we've seen he's completing the trafficking cycle for the cartels. These cartels are making six grand on average per man, woman, and child that they're that they are trafficking across the, the the border. They're not smuggling them across the border. These are people who cannot afford a six thousand uh, yeah. dollar price tag, and so they'll, they'll scrounge up as much money as they possibly can, right. but then they have to end up working it off through the sex trade, through forced labor, all kinds of different ways that they're, they're being manipulated and coerced and, and forced into this awful, awful, um, practice. And it's just, it's horrific. I mean, the trafficking that is taking place, I just can't even tell you how awful it is at, um and i'm so sorry there's people are talking to me right now
0: oh that's um, okay you're in the middle of okay. you're in the middle of the governing
2: <laughs> it, back in the cloakroom it's it's a it's a room that's right off of the house floor where members we we pull off the um to, to wait in between votes and you know nancy pelosi uh, apparently, there's still real COVID concerns, even though you know the majority of members are vaccinated, mm. and you know it's 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 all theater. So everyone's back here congregating, talking about pieces he, of legislation, and people are walking up, handing me pieces of paper. So I'm so sorry, I'm distracted. That's
0: okay. You know, you haven't <laughs> missed a beat. We've caught everything. I, one last question, because I know I want to let you get back to the people's business, but um, yeah. real quickly, you have seen this extraordinary moment. You know, uh, it was maybe. 10, 20 years ago when Hillary Clinton said it takes a village to raise our kids. A lot of conservatives took offense to that. Now you've got her longtime fundraiser saying parents shouldn't have a say in what uh, their children are taught. You've got this war that uh, Merrick Garland has declared. We're going to put the FBI and parents who go to school board meetings to protest things. How concerned should we be that the parent is being pushed out of the way by the United States government?
2: I think we should be extraordinarily concerned. I mean, when you think about the uh, the fact that parents are now being deemed domestic terrorists. We have a situation where, um, you know, the, the AG is more concerned with making sure that we have an FBI presence in our community for parents who are just expressing concern over the curriculum that their children are being taught and the fact that we're living in absolute crazy times. Where we're arguing over genders and and science, you know, not political science, but, you know, basic facts of life. And, of course, there's the masking and the mandates that are coming down that are severely impacting our children. Protecting our kids is not a crime. As much as the Biden administration wants it to be, it's not. And the fact that he is now weaponizing the FBI and the AG's office to take adverse action against parents, who are simply standing up and doing what any good parent would do, which is give a damn about their kids and their education. That's insane. And I think that ought to be a wake-up call to every single American across the country, that our kids are not pawned in this political game that he and Bernie and Nancy are playing. This is not a game. Our children's future is not a game. And I just I am so disgusted with what we're seeing coming out of this administration. And there's been multiple congressional inquiries, multiple um, oversight letters demanding answers as to why there was not a single peep coming out of this administration dealing with um, the rioting and burning and looting of our cities, uh, the, the known terrorists that have come across our Southwest border. You know, we actually know for a fact that there are known individuals on the terrorist watch list that have come across our Southwest border and yet this administration chooses deliberately to ignore that fact. It will publish FBI statistics, but they won't publish the statistics of those that have come across the border. And it's because it, it's counter to the narrative. So instead they're turning on our parents, they're turning on our kids, because I go, I go back to this again, this administration's narrative, their ultimate goal is dependency and control. And we will be damned if we allow them to do it. So Republicans have all kinds of treats and all kinds of tricks up their sleeves that they are going to be delivering to this Democrat-controlled House and Senate. And again, I I know we've talked about this, I am 100% confident that we are going to be taking back to House.
0: Yeah, those early the early polls are certainly pointing in that direction as well, Congresswoman. I know how uh, Congresswoman, I know how busy you are. Thank you so much for taking time. It was fun. I feel like I'm right in the middle of Congress, being in the cloakroom <laughs> with you. What a, what a treat that was.
2: <laughs> oh, well, thank you so much. I appreciate it, and I know I know that uh, Byron and Beth Van Dyne had a great time chatting with you briefly. That
0: yeah, was very special. I'll remember it for a long time. That was great. Thank you so much, and good luck with all the work you got ahead of you.
2: Aw, thank you so much, John. Have a good
0: one. Thank you. All right, folks, we're going to take a quick commercial break. How about that? Live right from the cloakroom of the congressional floor. Very cool. We'll take a quick commercial break. We'll come back and wrap things up in just a few seconds.
2: BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, And starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Have you heard you can listen to your favorite news podcasts ad-free? Good news.
0: All right, folks, welcome back. It's time to wrap up the show. A couple thoughts that I thought came out of these interviews. I've always loved doing these interviews because you learn so much about the issues, about the context, about the um, uh, issues driving things. Devin Nunes had a lot to say about the art of omission. The media, particularly, and the purveyors of Russia collusion and other fake stories like it, they get their stories through and they peddle them on the American people, often by omitting facts that would undercut them. That is something very profound to think about. I think it is the scam of my generation's news media reporters intentionally, willfully leaving out and omitting information. Hey, Katie Kirk just omitted right? She excised something that she thought would be embarrassing to Ruth Bader Ginsburg and didn't give it to the American public. Admit she did it intentionally. That's called bias, I think. Certainly bad journalism. Uh, But Devin Nunes pointed out, I think, in most compelling terms, how ABC created the illusion that maybe Christopher Steele's dossier should still be considered believable because they left out all the relevant information. Now, we gave you that information a couple days ago on Just the News, but you should be Rethink that. Think about how your local newspaper, your national newspaper, your local television network are they omitting things that keep you in the dark? That's a great question to ask yourself. I'm so glad that Congressman Nunez asked it and raised it with us. And then, of course, Cat uh, Congresswoman Kat Kamak really drove home an important issue. The border crisis isn't just a crisis for the border towns, it's coming to a neighborhood near you every day. Why? Because Air Biden, these Airlifts are taking these illegal aliens to all parts of America. Westchester County, uh, New York, couldn't be further from the border, couldn't be further from a border town, but it is the recipient of large numbers of illegal aliens, unaccompanied minors. You know all of the stories. An important point that Kat Kamik is pointing, and the cost consequences to these communities health, education, security. The government doesn't pick up those costs even though it's imposing them. The federal government doesn't pick up those costs even though it's secretly imposing these costs on communities by dropping it. And I think Kat Kamik said it best, Joe Biden and his administration are engaged in human trafficking. They're taking people who have unlawfully entered the country and they're moving them in a trafficking fashion. And I think she called President Biden, as I recall, the trafficker-in-chief. That is an interesting concept to consider in this debate. So grateful for two members of Congress spending so much quality time with us. We do this so you can learn from the front lines from people who know what's really going on in Washington, really going on in the policy circles. And I think Congressman Nuñez and Congresswoman Camick delivered some real important facts and information so you can make up your mind. That's what we're about, news, not noise. We're not about we're about information, not indoctrination. I hope that we were helpful and useful to you today. All right, folks, we'll be back tomorrow, or I should say, uh, yeah, we'll be back tomorrow, Friday, with a new edition of John Solomon Reports. Buckle up, we'll have some more fun stuff. We've got great interviews coming up the next four or five days. Peter Schweitzer, the great author. We're going to take you to Buckhead, Georgia, the place where a community is seceding from the city of Atlanta because of poor services, high crime, high taxes, and defunding of the police. That's a great story. We're going to bring the CEO of that movement to the show. Many good guests. We also need to talk about energy and the energy crisis, and we're going to do that with the president of the U.S. Oil and Natural Gas Association. He'll be here, I believe, tomorrow. So a little bit of energy, a little bit of secession, and a whole bunch of Peter Schweitzer's great reporting. Particularly, we're going to be talking about congressional ethics, conflicts of interest, and insider trading. What a lineup the next four or five days. So excited. Can't wait to do these interviews and deliver them to you. Until then, may God bless you and may God bless this extraordinary country of the United States, as he always has. You've been listening to John Solomon Reports, the podcast from Just the News, where we've got you covered 24-7. Hey, last night, you might have been thinking about nodding off at about 11 o'clock. That's when we broke two big consecutive stories. President Trump's announcement that he's creating his own media empire and social platform followed not too far after that with the new letter from the NIH in which they acknowledged, yep, get a load of this, they acknowledged that they were, they did fund an experiment at the Wuhan lab in China that made a coronavirus more dangerous. That's a big change. Rand Paul was on the show saying it happened. The NIH has been denying it. But yesterday they acknowledged it happened and then they gave an excuse. Oh, it was accidental. We didn't mean to do it. Oh, the vendor didn't give us... Uh, didn't comply with its contractors and give us all the data um i think this story has been known for quite some time the writing's been on the wall both of those stories broke at 10 11 12 o'clock last night you know why we still had you covered 24 7 we're trying to take care of you at just so grateful you listen thank you for listening to this podcast and have a great great night